0: So we are beginning the book of Revelation, and on your outline you can see uh, as it starts on the introduction here, uh, first of all, just by way of introduction, uh, Revelation chapter 1 contains the foundation for our study, and in it we'll do a couple of things here, actually five things. We'll discuss the name, the forms, the author, the date of Revelation. We're going to explain the setting of John and the first readers of, of this letter, Uh, We're going to study a map and show you where Patmos was at, as well as the seven churches in Asia Minor, and how that all fits in. We're going to identify the two themes of Revelation, and then we're going to consider four guidelines for interpreting the book. Uh, If not tonight, maybe maybe next week on that one. Uh, Chapter 2 focuses on Jesus, who is the major theme of Revelation. Our Lord will return to triumph over all evil period. We will first survey all all of Revelation, looking for insights about Christ, and and we're going to get a good overview. Then we're going to come back, we're going to look at each church and and go through that in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, uh, So we'll talk about that. Uh, Chapters 3 and 4 of this book emphasize the minor theme of Revelation, and, and that is that those who listen to the Spirit and overcome will inherit the promises of God. Uh, the Spirit calls five of the seven churches to repentance. Five of the seven churches. Re- re- recall this was happening sixty to sixty-five years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. So maybe third-generation Christians, but 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 just calling them to repentance. So, but basically, um, I know sometimes we think that repentance is only for the lost. But John is emphasizing here that repentance, which is a good thing, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance is also for believers. Keep that in mind as we read through this as well. Uh, How important is it for believers to repent of sin? Uh, How important is it for believers to hear what the Spirit says to the churches? Considering the warnings and threats of Christ, believers at Ephesus had left their first love. He warned them to repent or he would remove their church. Uh, believers at Pergamum were following the lusts of the flesh. He warned them to repent or he would, he would fight against them. Friends, if you have God fighting against you, you're not going to win. All right? If he be for us, who can be against us? If he be against you, who can be for you? you know? uh, believers at Thyatira were committing sexual sins. He warned them to repent or he would make them suffer greatly. He warned them that he would strike dead believers who followed Jezebel. Uh, he warned sinning believers at Sardis that they were no longer worthy to walk with him. He warned proud, lukewarm believers of Laodicea that he was about to spit them, spew them, vomit them out of his mouth. Don't miss the point that John's making. God's children must repent to receive the promises of heaven. Those who refuse to repent will lose their inheritance. This is not a new theme of John or of the new testament paul wrote that god's children are those who are led by his spirit romans chapter 8 he said the spirit controls those he he lives in in romans 8 8 and 9 he also wrote that those who practice sin would not inherit the kingdom of god first corinthians chapter 6 9 through 11. likewise here john is only reminding believers that what he wrote earlier uh, Jesus said that we must remain in the vine. Branches that refuse to remain in the vine wither, die, and are burned. Later on, John wrote that no one who lives in Christ keeps on sinning. He who, does, he who does what is right is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. 1 John 3 6 through 8. And so basically, we overcome as we listen to the Spirit and repent. Then we'll receive the promises of God. Check this out, more than any other book in the New Testament, Revelation emphasizes the responsibility of the believer. Let me say it again, more than any other New Testament book, Revelation emphasizes the responsibility of the believer. Yes, God's grace is sufficient for every sin and for every trial, but we must choose to accept or reject his grace. God will not save us without our cooperation. He saves those and only those who listen and then obey the Spirit. Now, that's kind of the introduction. Let's look at the name Revelation. Revelation comes from the Greek word apocalyptos, which means to unveil, uh, it means to pull the veil or cover away that is that which is hiding something. Likewise, apocalyptic books like Daniel, Revelation, unveil the future. It reveals the future. Uh, you'll, you'll see the Bible mentions veils several times, and each of these times the veil hides something until the veil was taken away. For example, you recall that Rebecca covered her face with a veil as she came to Isaac for the first time. In their culture, this showed that she was humble and she was submissive. Likewise it was custom for a woman at Corinth to wear for the women to wear veils. First Corinthians eleven one through sixteen. The women took the veil off when they were alone with their husbands. Tamar was once covered or once covered herself with a veil. She didn't want Judah to know who she was. Later on, later on, she took off the veil, and he saw her clearly. You think he was surprised? Yes, he was. All right. Moses, he, he, he once covered his face with a veil. He had come out of the presence of God, and the Lord's glory caused his face to shine, so he had to put a veil over his face to cover part of the glory so that people would not fear him. Later, he removed the veil. Uh, Isaiah wrote that God spreads the clouds like a veil or a curtain. He also wrote that of uh, the veil or sheet of death that hung over the nations of the earth, Isaiah prophesied that God would come to a mountain to destroy that, that uh, funeral veil. That is, God would take away the sadness of death. Today we recognize that Jesus died on Mount Calvary to take away the sorrow of death. Uh, when Christ returns, the glory of God will be unveiled in us, Romans chapter 8, 18, and 19. Paul says that believers, that unbelievers, they should say, unbelievers have a veil over their hearts. The the veil is taken away when a person trusts in God. Then a person can know God. A veil or a curtain hung in front of the most high, or the most holy place in the temple, this hid the holiest of place and the presence of God from common people. The veil in the temple was torn apart when Jesus died. This showed that God would no longer hide from man. Through Christ, the way into His presence, the presence of God, is open for everyone. These are examples, really from the Bible, that remind us how veils were used in the Bible. Revelation removes a veil in two ways. First of all, it helps us as we walk through these chapters, it helps us to see Jesus high and lifted up. We see Jesus in all His glory. We're going to study pictures of Christ later on in chapter 1 and chapter 2 as well, and 3 and throughout the book, but we get to see Jesus for who he is. And and again, if you can can catch a glimpse of the glory of God, it will will change your heart. And I know people today, they're, they're, they're going after this revelation or that revelation or whatever. Why don't you read the revelation of Jesus Christ and get a picture of who Christ is high and lifted up begin to seek him and see him in his glory and your heart will change so first of all we we see jesus in his glory but secondly revelation removes the veil this way revelation unveils future events including the return of jesus to conquer evil never try to divorce the person from the prophecy or the future In Revelation, two themes are woven together. Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus and His future victory. Hallelujah. So, we have the name Revelation. Let's go on to B, forms of literature. Revelation is a blend of three types or forms of writing. The first form is apocalyptic. The final book of the Bible begins with the revelation or apocalypsis, Revelation 1.1. This form of writing uses visions and symbols to unveil the future. Other examples of ap- apocalyptic writings are Ezekiel. We're going to talk about Daniel in the study somewhat as well, as, far as, as well as Zechariah. Uh, so the first form is apocalyptic. A second form of writing in Revelation is Prophetic. John refers to the words of this prophecy, Revelation 1-3. The words of this prophecy. Prophetic writings gave the word of God about the present and the future. Prophetic writings usually have fewer visions and symbols than apocalyptic writings. The major and minor prophets of the Old Testament are other examples of prophetic writings. And then the third form of writing in Revelation is letter. John wrote Revelation as a letter to the seven churches, Revelation 1-4. From the greeting through chapter 22, Revelation is a letter. Other examples are the letters that Paul wrote, the letters that Peter wrote, and so on. And so we have those three forms of literature here in the book of Revelation. Apocalyptic, prophetic, and in letter form. Let's talk about the author now and the date of Revelation. Why do we believe John wrote Revelation? Let me give you at least five reasons why we affirm John as the author. Uh, you'll recall the Holy Spirit carried and inspired each biblical writer. We believe the writer to be the Apostle John. Here's why. Number one, the author refers to himself as John four times in this book. Revelation 1:1, 1:4, 1:9, and 22 verse 8. The book reveals he was a Jew who knew the scriptures well. It's also clear that he only needed to mention his first name for the seven churches to recognize him. Most of the Bible teachers agree that this well-known spiritual writer was John the Apostle. Number two, the writer was suffering and condemned to die. This matches what Jesus told John about suffering. You'll recall that the Lord... Promised James and John that they would both drink of his cup of suffering from Matthew's Gospel. James, as you recall, was beheaded. John was the one that was condemned to die on the island of Patmos, a devil's island. He was sent there to die. Maybe even work the mines. We'll get more about that later. Uh, thirdly, there are phrases and subjects in Revelation that are also in John's earlier writings. His Gospels and his three epistles. For example, John presents Jesus as the Word in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John one, 1 and John 14, uh, also in 1 John 1.1. Then in Revelation, he also refers to Jesus as the Word of God, Revelation 19, verse 13. No other New Testament writer refers to Jesus as the Word. Only John does. And so it's, again, Uh, evidence that John wrote this letter. Another example is that John is the only gospel writer who calls Jesus the Lamb. We sang about the Lamb tonight in John 1.29. Well, a Lamb, the Lamb, is the major theme in Revelation. Also, the themes of overcoming tribulation in the Antichrist are themes in John's earlier writings and in Revelation. And so, therefore, it is likely that the same apostle is the John who wrote then the last book in our Bible, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Number four, many of the early church fathers, such as Irenaeus, Tertullian, Justin Martyr, Hermas, and Origen, believed the apostle John was the author, confirmed by the early early writers and such, early church fathers. Number five, the style and some of the words in Revelation are different from John's other books. However, we should expect that Because the setting of Revelation is very, very unusual. When John wrote his gospel, he was younger, he was calmly writing about earthly experiences. Well, Revelation is a book filled with emotion. John was an old prisoner now, suffering on an island when he wrote it. Over and over, he wrote what he saw in a vision or heard an angel tell him. We should expect the language to be different from his other books because of the setting of this book, which we'll get to next. And so the Apostle John probably wrote Revelation, most, most Bible scholars believe, about A.D. 95. A.D. 95, that was the date that most of the early church fathers and historians agreed on. The Roman ruler of that time was Domitian. He was a cruel Caesar who ruled from A.D. 81 to A.D. 96. And we'll talk about him some more as well. Let's look at the setting, D, on your outline. The setting The setting of the Apostle John, first of all, then the setting of his first readers, then the location of his first readers. First of all, the setting of the Apostle John. John tells us that he was suffering on the Isle of Patmos when he wrote Revelation, Revelation 1.9. The island was in the Aegean Sea near the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Patmos was a place where the Roman government sent criminals to die. Plain and simple. Uh, Thus, John was not alone on Patmos. The Roman ruler Domitian probably exiled John to Patmos for two reasons. Number one, he punished John for refusing to worship Caesar, and secondly, for preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those two reasons. That was the setting for John. Now the setting of his first readers. Recall that Christians were facing persecution when John wrote Revelation. Domitian made a law that everyone had to bow and worship him as God. But faithful Christians said, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not going to bow to you. We're going to bow to Christ. And so they would not do that. And uh, um, they refused to worship the Roman Caesars. Refusing to worship uh, Caesar would cause a person to lose his job. Faithful Christians became known as enemies of the government. Thus, loyalty to Jesus brought persecution. Friends. We see this happening. I see this happening today. All right. Um, several verses in Revelation mention persecution. The Lord warns believers at Smyrna of more suffering, Revelation 2:10. The Lord warns believers at Philadelphia of an hour of trial that is coming on all the earth. Revelation 3:10. Antipas had already been martyred for Christ. Revelation 2 verse 13. The fifth seal reveals that many believers had been martyred, Revelation six verses nine through 11. The demand to worship the Roman emperor was a major cause of persecution for Christians. But there were at least four other sources of suffering. First of all, the religions of the Greeks and Romans caused problems for believers. Here's what I mean. There were many temples, there were feasts, there were public meetings related to these gods. In 1 Corinthians 8, Paul wrote about food sacrifice to idols and believers participating in sacrifices to demons. Christians were persecuted when they refused to take part. Second, there were the local or native religions. Some of these emphasize the theme of fertility or fruitfulness. Third, the emphasis on Greek and Roman worldly wisdom was a cause of suffering. Also, there were many other false, false teachings. Believers were persecuted because they trusted in the the wisdom from above rather than human teachings. Finally, fourthly, persecution came from the unbelieving Jews. The Roman government did not require Jews to worship Caesar. They were allowed to worship in their synagogues, but Jews who accepted Jesus Christ, uh, they, they, as, as a Messiah, were often rejected by the unbelieving Jews. Uh, Thus, they were uh, forced out of the synagogues. When this happened, the believing Jews were no longer protected from the worshiping Roman rulers, which led to great persecution. Thus, Satan used several forces to persecute believers. Discerning these forces of persecution will help us understand John's praises as well as his rebukes to the seven churches that we'll get into in Revelation 2 and 3. Persecution back then was causing some believers to compromise. In other words, they were bending their their beliefs to avoid persecution. Hello? (laughs) Sound familiar today? Uh, uh, We will examine the danger of compromise later on in this study uh, as we look at the themes of Revelation. But basically, that was basically number two, the setting of John's first readers. Now the location of the first readers, the books of the New Testament are for the entire church. Still, they were written to certain uh, people or churches. John wrote Revelation to the seven churches in Asia. If you will, turn your page over, and I I put a map on the second page, bottom of the second page, and in that map, you can see the Aegean Sea. Uh, To the left is Greece, Athens, Sparta, so, but to the right, you'll see the seven churches listed out for you. Uh, Patmos was a little island 50 or so miles off the coast uh, from Ephesus. And so it was, it was in that. Um, every church was about 50, 50 kilometers from each other, so they are all within this range. There were other churches in that area, but these were perhaps the major churches and the distance between them, uh, no coincidence, I don't believe either, but uh, they were written to certain people. Well, John wrote to these seven churches, and yet the Holy Spirit inspired him to write to churches of, for all believers of all times. Uh, uh, To interpret Revelation correctly, we need to understand as much as we can about the first readers. And we'll we'll talk more about them in the next few lessons of this study. But uh, I want to read Revelation chapter 1, 9 through 11. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, as I said, Patmos was a small island, about 50 miles or 80 kilometers out in the Aegean Sea, between Asia Minor and Greece. Uh, You can see on your map, Ephesus, above Ephesus is Smyrna, the second church, then we have Pergamum, and then Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. See, John saw the seven churches as seven lampstands. He did not see, this is key, he did not see one lampstand, which is typical in the Bible with seven branches coming up from it. He saw each, each church represented by a separate lampstand. And we'll get into that as we get into the churches more about that. But, but that's kind of the, the background of that, the seven churches in Asia Minor. And then we, on the back side there on top of the page is the themes of Revelation. There are two major themes in Revelation. The first theme is the greatest theme, and that is this. Jesus Christ will return to triumph over all evil. Hallelujah. Let me say it again. The first theme, Jesus will return to triumph over all evil. John emphasizes that the time of Christ's return is near, uh, as I as I open with. Then all will know that he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. I thought about that and I started chuckling today. We have everybody in office and we have our president, Biden's in office, and we have rulers here and there and all these countries and he's, he's above them all. Do you hear me? He's above them all, all right? Uh, he, is, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth, and there's coming a day when every king, when every official, elected or not, every tyrant, every, every person that's leading a country is going to bow and confess him as Lord. But, but I'm praying they also confess him as Savior before it's too late. And, and today, we, we, we kind of joke, are they kind of joke, like they think they're all powerful and almighty and everything else. Like, no, it's only Jesus. There's coming a day, friends, there's coming a day when they will know that Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Revelation 1-7, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him so shall it be. It's not going to be a happy time for many people. It's going to be a mournful, a sad time, a time of wailing, a time of mourning because they missed the day of grace and the day of visitation. The final victory of Jesus Christ over all his enemies is certain. This is the first and greatest theme of Revelation. So what's the greatest theme? Jesus Christ will return a triumph over all evil. The second theme of Revelation is is that only believers who overcome will inherit the kingdom of God. The Lord inspired Revelation to encourage believers facing persecution. Satan was working through the Roman Caesar's Together, the devil and the Caesars were opposing God, just as I believe today Satan is working through many of our world leaders today. Uh, He's is, he is working through them today. Uh, but they were trying to draw worship away from God, away from the Lamb. So John makes it plain that each person must choose between the Lamb and the beast. You must choose. No one can love both the world and God. You're going to have to choose and then this calls that says revelation 14:12 for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's command and remain faithful to Jesus Christ and so John emphasized that refusing loyalty to the beast brought persecution The assistant of the beast, the false prophet, was given power to kill all those who would not worship the beast. Those who refused to be loyal to the beast could not buy or sell. Those who opposed the beast were traitors against the government. Uh, Still, John encouraged the readers. He encouraged believers, stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. In other words, God will give the crown of life to those who are faithful unto death. The heavenly kingdom is for those and only those who overcome. I'm going to pause right there because of time. We'll pick it up next week. I've got a couple more points to make on this. And then we'll talk about other reasons why we're studying this and get in into the chapter itself. What I want to do, and I want to close tonight by reading out loud because that's the emphasis in verse 3, is that this book should be read out loud amongst the people so they can not only hear it but begin to understand it and apply it so let me close tonight by reading out loud revelation chapter one you'll hear this again next week all right the revelation of jesus christ which god gave him to show his servants what must soon take place He made it known by sending an angel to his servant John who testified to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Twice, he's coming soon, the time is near. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is... And who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before His throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood. And He has has made us to be a kingdom, a priest to serve His God and Father. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of it, because of him, so shall it be, amen. Verse eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who was to come, or who is to come, the Almighty. Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man... Dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, remember, John knew him best. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades." Right there for what you have seen, what is now. This is a key verse to understand the whole book. Verse 19, Write therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this: The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And I'll close there with chapter 1. And then chapters 2 and 3, we get into the letters of Jesus, then to each of the churches, the things he commends, the things he condemns, the call to repentance. And the thing is, what he told those churches then is for us today as well. In other words, what he approves in their lives, he approves in our lives. What he rebuked them for, he'll rebuke us for. So once again, this is the book in the Bible that gives us as believers the greatest responsibility that we have on us to make sure that we live according to his word. All right, this is just part of the introduction. We're going to pick it up next week. If you want to read Revelation 1, read it, read it, read it. Read it out loud if you need to. Read it to your family, study it, be blessed, amen.